Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the San Jose Mercury News. With the NBA draft lottery coming up August 20th, we looked at how Golden State will approach the draft based on its potential draft slots. Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. It feels like it's been forever. Uh, I just got back from a five-week sojourn. Uh, just went on a big road trip, went up to Portland, uh, but now I'm back in it. And I know you've been plugging away the entire time I've been gone. How, how have you been? Are you getting a little, a little tired of finding things <laughs> to write and say? I am. Um, fortunately, I was helping out um, with the Mercury News news desk. So um, with so much happening in the real world, as far as the coronavirus is concerned and, um, you know, the cultural movement that's sweeping across the country, there's so much more of that versus what was happening in the sports world. We got the NBA coming back, but the Warriors aren't necessarily, aren't involved at all. But uh, that filled up most of my July and uh, I was, and now I am feeling a little bit tired, and I'm actually starting my two-week vacation, um, or a little bit longer than a two-week vacation. We'll see how things play out. Um, but uh, right now, so this is the last thing I'm doing before my vacation, Connor. So uh, this is a treat for you, I think. So are you basically coming back right before uh, the draft lottery, because that's really the the next big thing on our horizon on August 20th. Yeah, so I'm going to work that week, uh, that that week of August 20th with, you know, because the draft lottery is like one night, but there's so much stuff we can write. There's so much, like, it's such an important draft. Like, there's, it's going to be a whole week's worth of content easily. So uh, I'll work that week, and then I'm going to go back on uh, vacation for a couple of weeks after that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and what I wanted to, to kind of get at today was how – the different scenarios of the draft lottery could end up impacting Golden State because, um, you know, we're only a couple weeks out from the lottery, and I think a lot of people assume, oh, the Warriors have the worst record in the NBA. They'll almost definitely get the number one pick. That is not the case at all. Um, as we know, a couple of years ago, the NBA flattened the draft odds to discourage tanking. Um, the Warriors have a 14% chance of the number one pick, 13.4% at number two, 12.7% chance at number three, 12% chance at number four, and a 47.9% chance at number five. So the Warriors have a much, much, much higher chance of getting the number five pick in this draft than any other pick, um, which I think is really important because I think it's really easy just to talk about what the Warriors would do at number one but in reality, we should be spending just as much, if not way more time, talking about what they do at number five. Right. And, you know, I, that's, I'm glad you hit that. It's a very important point. Being the wor- having the worst record in the league doesn't give you a better shot at getting the number one pick versus some of these other bad record teams. What it, the value of having the worst record in the league is that you're guaranteed to be in the top five, right? Because uh, the teams that are in the number two and the number three slot don't have that guarantee of staying in the top five. They have odds for picks six and seven, et cetera, right? So for the Warriors, their only advantage in this draft lottery versus teams two and three are that they are not going to fall out of the top five. That's the value. And you're right. They have a much, they have almost a 50% chance of getting the fifth overall pick. And then after that, it's basically the same shot as, as those other teams that I was talking about. Yeah. And I think, 
uh, this draft is different than a lot of drafts, as we've, as we've discussed many times. A lot of drafts, there's a clear number one, maybe even a clear top three. Uh, this draft, it's really wide open. I think a lot of people expect Anthony Edwards to be the number one pick in the draft, but outside of that, there's there's just a lot of murkiness. And so I do think that, let's say the Warriors get the number five pick, I think that that's not going to be as devastating to them if, you know, there was a Zion as, uh, compared to a situation where there was a Zion caliber right. prospect that they'd be missing out on. Um, I think Anthony Edwards is probably the safest bet to go number one, but you never want to count out a guy like James Wiseman going number one. You and I are not high on Wiseman. We've talked about this, I think, on your podcast, certainly just in private conversations. But um, you never want to say, like, you know, an athletic seven-footer, that guy always has a chance, right, to go number one. But I think if you're, it's pretty much the top three guys are Anthony Edwards, Wiseman, and then LaMelo Ball, depending on the team that ends up with that pick, might want a player like LaMelo. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, like, those are the kind of the guys that for whatever reason have been in this conversation for the top three in what is considered a weak draft or just, you know, a draft where the, the, the best player isn't so obvious like Zion and Luka Doncic were. Um, but, uh, right. So I, what I think what a lot of teams' boards end up looking like could be very different than what the Warriors' draft board looks like because those other guys are, are big-time potential guys. But the Warriors, I really do think and that their, their top five, their top ten is going to look a lot different than some of these other teams because they're not looking necessarily for that potential, that bang-or-bust type prospect. They're looking for a guy who can walk in and contribute right away because they're trying to contend – right away, right? Not like Atlanta and Cleveland and Detroit and Charlotte and these other teams in the mix. So um, it'll be really interesting to see on draft night where the Warriors end up. And maybe they end up taking a guy who a lot of people think is a reach. Yeah. And before I went on my, my little hiatus, I, I wrote a story about six potential sleepers the Warriors could have in this draft. And based off my intel, there's a couple of guys in this draft that the Warriors are super high on and maybe would even be willing to use a top five pick on that the vast majority of the league does not view as even maybe a lottery pick. And then one name that's been mentioned a lot is Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy who uh, I think is NBA ready in a lot of ways, but the question is his potential. And, you know, could if the Warriors get the number five pick, could they use it on someone like that who everyone I've talked to in the organization loves him. They think he's a steal. Um, and honestly, yeah, and the, there's the there's the Villanova Jay Wright connection there. They've got Eric Pascal in house for more intel. Like Eric Pascal and Bay played together. Um, like that's one of those players that makes a lot of sense for Golden State. Yeah, and I honestly think this is one of those years where the Warriors would have no problem stomaching a bad draft grade from the analysts because the, right. they they really judge those grades just off of you know where guys were projected and where they went. And so I don't think they'd have a problem dealing with a, you know, a C minus or a D for taking a reach on someone like that if they really believed that he was the guy. Um, right. So, and and well, I'm I'm glad you said that too because that's why I'm saying like their draft board is going to look different than a lot of other draft boards because I'm, I'm we're we're recording this. I'm watching the Raptors in the Heat game right now happening in the bubble, and those are two organizations that consistently get bad draft grades which is weird when you think about it, right? Because those are two of the top organizations in the Eastern Conference. 
Miami took Bam out of bio a few years ago. And people were like, what is that? Why are you reaching for this guy who didn't even start at Kentucky? They take Tyler Hero over other guys who a lot of people thought were better prospects, like Romeo Langford and these guys at guard. And Tyler Hero is going to probably be first-team all-rookie. The Raptors get guys like OG and Unami, despite some of the, the health concerns that he had. And they, they find a steal like Pascal Siakam at the end of the first round, who nobody was really monitoring. And these are, again, two teams that consistently kind of go off the, 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 the beaten path with what they're going to do on draft night, but also consistently find these role players and make the most out of their off seasons. So one thing I thought would be a good exercise to kind of give our listeners a better idea of how the Warriors' approach to the draft is going to be dictated, dictated by what pick they end up getting in this, in this lottery. Um, so we'll learn, we'll learn on the 20th what that pick's going to be. But I think right now, even though we don't know what that pick's going to be, we already can kind of have an idea of how different they would approach maybe a number one pick versus a number five pick or a number three or four pick. So what I wanted to do is I'm on tankathon.com, which has an NBA draft lottery simulator. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to press sim lottery. We're going to do this three different times. And based off where the Warriors and other teams are in the top five, we're going to talk about uh, how we think they would approach it, who who we think would be in the mix of those spots. So are we going to, we're going to do like a mock draft of the five picks. We'll just go through each of the five. Do we, are we going to rotate right. teams? And we don't, I don't think we need to list out what, you know, Charlotte would take with the number four pick or, or what we don't need to get that in the weeds with it. I just want to basically talk about how other teams decisions would okay. impact what the Warriors have available at that spot and how they would approach it. Let's do it. All right. So I'm sim lottering, lottery-ing. There's not like a – There's not like a – In front of me right now. There's Uh, not like a noise. You need like a sound bite or something. We need like some audio here. Yeah. Uh, It's like some Price is Right type of – Exactly. going on right now. (laughs) Uh, So the number one pick in this lottery is Charlotte. Uh, so they jumped seven spots up to the number one pick. Golden State is at number two, so they dropped one. Number three is Minnesota, staying steady there. Number four is Cleveland, and number five is Atlanta. Okay? So Charlotte has the number one pick. They're really the only team in this lottery that the Warriors need to worry about. What do you think would make sense for Charlotte, given what they need, at number one? Can I just say before I answer that question, if I – if you're going to look for odds for, like, who to bet to jump up to number one, can I, I would recommend just, like, putting money on the Hornets. And I don't necessarily know why. Um, I just feel like this is Charlotte's year to move up. They, they've got some stuff happening. I think that, that the NBA wants to, to make right to, um, you know, they moved the All-Star game or whatever. What was that in Charlotte? What did they move from Charlotte? Was it the All-Star game? No, they had the All-Star game there. They had the All-Star talking? game there. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I think I'm talking about the I'm, I'm talking about the Republican National Convention. Never mind. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. that has nothing to do with the NBA. I think I think the Hornets take James Wiseman at number one. That's that's kind of a no brainer for them. They need a center. Cody Zeller is not going to get it done. Um, the truth is, they need everything. They're just not a very talented basketball team. Uh, Devontae Graham has been a nice point guard for them. I, I personally think that they need to not worry too much about position, and they need to uh, they need to draft someone that they think can be a number one 
you know, go-to guy down the line, a, a face of the franchise caliber player. I'm not sure James Wiseman is that. Um, for that reason, if I was them, I would go with uh, Anthony Edwards at number one. I, look, I I would go with Anthony Edwards if I were you too, but I think they would take Wiseman because this is a team that hasn't necessarily had a big-time center in quite a long time. They probably will end up drafting for need because I think they still think that they're a fringe playoff team, right? And they're not a good rebounding team. They're not a good defensive team. Like, hypothet- like theoretically, Wiseman kind of fits a lot of the things that they need. And I mean, you could you have, do worse. They've had one than, of the worst center rotations in the NBA. Cody yeah, Zeller. I mean, you mentioned Cody Zeller already. Pernick yeah. Gomez are their centers. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And so if you, you can put Wiseman in there, you can run some 1-5 pick and roll with Devontae Graham. You've still got Terry Rozier there. you kind of got, like, a built-in system now with that. And so I think they would take Wiseman, though, if I, like I said, if I, were, if I were them, I'd be like you and I would take Edwards. But uh, which way are we going to go with this? Because... So let's say they take let's say they take Wiseman. Um, then, right. then I think they have to take – the Warriors have to take Anthony Edwards at number two. And they would be stoked about it, right? Because they, the Warriors, I think, would be happy to take Edwards at number one. So to be able to take him – for, for him to still be on the board there at number two – when Charlotte lets up seven spots because the GOP moved their convention away, um, I I think that they would be really excited, and I think it would be a no-brainer. They just they take Anthony Edwards. I mean, this is a guy who – we talk about a guy who can walk in and contribute right away, and he is like a high-ceiling guy, right? But I also think his floor is pretty high for a team like the Warriors. Like, if the Cavaliers took Anthony Edwards at number one, I don't, I don't love that fit. They'd ask him to do too much right away, right? But in Golden State – I think Anthony Edwards would be immediately better um, in Golden State than he was at Georgia because at Georgia it was a bad fit, right? Like he chose to go to college there. It doesn't mean it's a good fit. Like they they had him on the ball way too much. They asked him to do they asked him to play out of position for most of the season. He wasn't able to you know do the catch and shoot stuff and and put as much energy in on the defensive end, which is where he's going to thrive at the NBA level. And so I think he will be better day one in Golden State than he was in his last day at Georgia. Not to mention the development that he could do in an ecosystem like Golden State has, and maybe reach that high ceiling that he has. So you put him in, you can slot him behind Andrew Wiggins on the wing there, and he could do a lot of the same things. Where you're just going to ask him to make open threes, guard his butt off, and and slash to the rim when you've got Steph and Clay spacing the floor. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer. We'll have more of my conversation with Wes Goldberg right after the break. So let's say Charlotte ends up go- going with the consensus guy and they go with uh, Anthony Edwards at number one. Then what do you think Golden State does at number two? Because at that point, things are much more wide open, I think. I think there's a lot of names that they could consider at that number two spot if Charlotte did go with Edwards. Yeah, this is where stuff gets weird, right? Because I think Edwards is the number one on, on the board there because he has that, that combination of can contribute right away but also has a high ceiling. So when he's off the board, it's like, okay, so who can contribute right away? Who has a relatively high ceiling but isn't maybe boomer bust like LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman are? And I don't think the Warriors would go with Wiseman in that situation. I don't think that they would go with LaMelo Ball at number two either. I think this is where we start to see Golden State's board looks a lot different than these other boards. They pass up Wiseman. They pass up Ball. I think they go with the Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State or even like a Devin Vassell out of Florida State, guys who who are going to – who produced at a high level in college, right, with, with Tyrese Halliburton, that guy has a great three-point shot. It's a little funky, but it goes in, so who cares? 
and he can guard three different positions, and he can handle the ball right away and contribute to Steve Kerr's offense while making the defense better. I don't think he makes the defense better day one the way that Devin Vassell does. He's one of the best one-on-one defenders in college basketball, maybe the best team defender in college basketball. He could play the four. He could play the three for you. Um, He's long, and he does have maybe a higher ceiling than Halliburton. That's a guy, and Connor, we haven't talked about him, but he's a guy that um, is rising on my own personal board really fast. I have him at number three on my board if I were like if I were picking the Warriors, right? If I were if I were Bob Myers, I would have him number three on my board behind Halliburton. Um, but like I don't know, he's he's, well, he, he's a guy I he wrote about where I went on my break. He's he a guy I know that the Warriors are high on and they're higher on than uh, than maybe other teams are. Um, he's I think a guy who can come in and has potential to be kind of in that Andre role where he can be a lockdown defender and he can play multiple positions. The question to me is offensively, how much is he going to bring? Is he a true star caliber guy or does he even have a chance to be that? And I, I don't, I'm not sure he does. And that's quite a, quite a lofty pick to take at number two for someone who doesn't necessarily have any star potential. Um, so I, I'm, I if I'm them and they're drafting number two and Edwards is up the board, I think everyone's going to be assuming that James, they would go with James Wiseman there. I don't think that's a fair assumption um, for reasons we've talked about many times. I don't think the Warriors necessarily feel like they need to use a top five pick on a center. Um, I would be looking at Halliburton for the same reasons you like Halliburton, or I would I would look at Denny Avia. Uh, Denny has actually been playing basketball during quarantine. Uh, his league resumed play. He played some playoff games in the EuroLeague. He actually was just named the Israeli League Player of the Year, which at 19 years old is quite an accomplishment. He mm-hmm. finished he finished the season really strong. Um, and his numbers, they're not Luka Doncic-esque. They're not what Luka was doing in the EuroLeague, but they're really not that far off. Um, you know, the big knock on him is his free-throw shooting. But he's gotten more efficient with it, with the ball. Um, he's making less mistakes. He, he I've seen a lot of growth from him just in the past year. Keep in mind, this was his first and only year playing big minutes at a super high level, the EuroLeague, which is the second best league in the world. Um, I think he's polished enough, and I think he's skilled enough for a 19-year-old to have real star potential um, and be helpful from day one as well. So. I would take. I would honestly probably take him at this point at number two. I like the argument there because, like you said, he has a star potential. One person I talked to about him said maybe he's just Dario Saric if that three-point shot never really goes in. I have heard right? that. I think that's a worst-case scenario for him. I think so too. Um, but my, I, and that's and that's again assuming that the three-point shot doesn't go in. And then he's one of these guys who is like an Instagram king who is on there all the time posting his workouts, right, which I think some people can get annoyed with, but at least it, sh- like, it shows that he's working on his three-point shot and he's, pro- and he's prioritizing it. Like, how many videos have we seen over the summer that he's, he hits, like, 23 straight three-pointers, like, whatever it is. Um, so he's he knows it's important. He's trying to show teams that he's working on it. And we know the other stuff is there. Really high basketball feel, which is something you can't teach. Everybody says you can't teach height. Okay, cool. But we're playing in a smaller and smaller league. Therefore, I think that other thing that you can't teach, basketball feel, is so much more important, which is why I like I like Denny a lot. I have for a while. It's why I like Tyrese Halliburton too. These are the guys who I keep talking about: high basketball IQ, high basketball feel. They are going to be able to contribute right away, and I think that that sort of feel of the game 
does provide a higher ceiling that we don't necessarily look at all the time. When we talk about ceiling, I think we always look at like physical profile and athleticism. And we're like, oh, well, that guy has a high ceiling just because of that. But if he doesn't know what he's doing, he's never going to get on the floor and he's never going to reach that ceiling, right? So I think feel is just as important as that stuff. And Denny has that. Right. So now on to lottery sim number two. Um, I just simmed, simmed it again. And the the lottery that I got is a strange one, but hey, you know this just showcases and reinforces how strong this lottery night can be, and and anything can happen. So on this lottery, Washington, the Wizards jumped eight spots to number one. The Kings jumped ten spots to number two. The Hawks jumped one spot to number wow. three. The Suns jumped six spots to number four, and Golden State dropped four spots and ended up drafting number five, which is which would be a worst-case scenario for them because they cannot draft worse than number five. So it. it's it's a crazy one, but, hey, this type of thing has happened with the lottery before. It, it could happen. It happened last year. That's how the Pelicans got Zion. This is exactly what happened last year, yeah. Exactly. So um, let's say the Warriors end up drafting number five in this situation. Who do you think is going to be available? Well, let's what go. Let's go one through four. This is way too fun. Connor, this is way too this is way too fun of an order to skip through it. Let's let's start at number one. We can do it quickly though. Who was number one again? The Wizards. So the Wizards here, this is an interesting one because um they just drafted Rui Hachimura. Do they think he's a four? Do they think he's a five? Do they go with Wiseman? Ultimately I think they just take Anthony Edwards here because they could still use a wing. And it might be insurance in case you have to trade Bradley Beal. So I think they go Anthony Edwards here. I think they go Anthony Edwards here. Uh though I would not blame them if they weren't for Wiseman uh, because they they do need a center. I don't think Thomas Bryant, even though he made strides this year, is the long-term answer there. Um, but, you know, I might be wrong about that. I think I think that they, are, they do like Thomas Bryant. He's young. Maybe they want to groom him in that role. And yeah. uh, they, they do need some wing help. Troy Brown Jr. was their starting small forward this year. That's not going to get it done. Jerome Robinson started games at shooting guard. I don't think that's going to get it done. So um, Anthony Edwards could come in, start from day one, and be uh, could be a go-to guy, especially when you're talking about the, the injury issues of Beal and Wall. I think I think that'd be a huge piece. So they 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 let's say they draft Edwards number one. Who do Kings? Who who would the Kings take number two? <laughs> You would think like they would. There's no way they would take another center, right? But it's also the Sacramento Kings, so who knows? Um, man, who would the Kings take in this? Because they're not going to take Lamelo. That's one thing we know. They're not going to take a ball handler. I know they're, they're terrified of taking Beer. I know that they're going to make a bad pick. It's just who they're is going to make a bad pick. exactly <laughs> because uh, they always, even when things are queued up for them, like Doncic was a couple of years ago, they find a way to mess it up. Uh, they do need a center. Uh, Rashawn Holmes don't, is the starting center. Harry Giles well, has never really. I think the plan is. I think the plan is to move Bagley to center at some point, right? So if that's the plan, then who then slots in at power forward? Uh, do they think Harrison Barnes is the power forward of the future? If they do, I, I could see them going with Isaac Okoro here. Um, if they don't think that Harrison Barnes is the future four and Bagley is the five, then maybe they go Obi Toppin to play him and Bagley together, which would be very Kingsian because neither of neither Obi Toppin nor Bagley can defend at all at this point in their careers. And so it would just they would have like maybe the worst front line defensively in the league, even though offensively both of those guys could put up forty five points a game combined. I could, I could totally see 
I'm forgetting the owner's name now, uh, Vivek. I could totally yeah. see him just falling in love with Obi Toppin's highlight reel and, yeah. and not actually thinking okay. about how that would translate to the NBA. And Obi. So, so let's say Obi. <laughs> they take Obi number two. So who does Atlanta take at number three? We still have Wise in the middle. We still have Ball available. Yeah, I think they take – I would have said Wiseman, but they made that Clint Capella trade at the deadline. So uh, they were trying to fill that spot. If it's Capella and John Collins is their front line, um, I think they still need a wing defender. Isaac Okoro makes a lot of sense for them here. They've been kind of looking at, at, at that player. They've tried to find a DeAndre Hunter. He didn't have a standout rookie season. So maybe they just – they double down on trying to find that wing defender and they take Okoro here. I could see them going Denny too. Yeah, so I I think I think Okoro kind of fits what they're about. I think they want that lockdown defensive spe- specialist. Um, I think I think that uh, he's also a guy who's from that area, so you know it would be kind of a homecoming for him as well. And let's and say Atlanta takes Okoro at number yeah. three. If you're building around means, Trey Young too, you're probably going to take as many high level defenders as possible because Trey Young is possibly the worst defender in the league, so accordingly. Right, and and they also they have several guys who can score the ball and not defend, and I think you need to focus more on the defensive end at this point. So then Phoenix is in an interesting spot at number four where, you know, they're drafting fourth, but they still have guys people thought could go number one available, like Wiseman and Ball, and um, you know, they also have Halliburton available and Killian Hayes, and, uh, you know, so they, they'll have plenty of options there. I think they end up going with Lamelo Ball here. Um, you just take the star player or the guy with the star potential, I suppose. Um, you could finally play Devin Booker off the ball. I don't love Lamelo's ball game, Lamelo Ball's game, but I kind of like it within the context of Phoenix. Um, you know, all the defensive concerns considered, um, but you know, Devin Booker's definitely got better, much better on that end. Mikel Bridges looks like a, one of the next All NBA wing defenders there. Um, DeAndre Ayton has taken a huge step forward defensively where he's pretty good or he's like kind of above average at this point. Um, and so I think you could afford to take a chance on LaMelo who physically profiles like he could get better defensively and they've been patient enough with these guys um, that maybe he can hit that, hit that ceiling. And then you put the ball in his hands. You let Devin Booker run around screens. You make life easier for him. Uh, and you have your backcourt of the future that they've been looking for. They've been looking to find their point guard since they traded all their point guards, like, in 2016 or what, whatever it was, and they had, like, four point guards, and they moved all of them. Um, and so uh, I think they get their guy with Lamelo here. I agree. I, I think the Suns have had the biggest hole at point guard for several years now. I mean, it's been a rotating cast of no names. And Ricky Rubio was a solid veteran piece to kind of plug a hole there temporarily, but he's not the long-term. Right. answer there. So um I think I think that that makes a lot of sense. Devin Booker's a number 2 at this point, a two a two guard at this point. Um so you keep him off the ball and you you find a facilitator for him and and Aiden. I think that's a good pick for them. Um so the, that puts the Warriors in an interesting spot. So they're drafting number 5, but you still have Wiseman available. You still have uh a bunch of guys that we know they're into like Denny and Halliburton mm-hmm. and Hayes and Vassal uh, available. So, yeah. what do you think they do at number five there? Well, who's in your in your draft lottery simulation? Who's six? Who's seven? Who's eight? Uh, Cleveland six, Minnesota seven, Detroit is eight. So, does Minnesota try to jump up here 
and get Wiseman? Because that would be interesting. Um, or would one of these teams try to move up for Wiseman? Or even uh, like Killian Hayes. Like I could see Detroit trying to move up and grab Killian Hayes before he gets off the board. Uh, especially with Cleveland sitting there at six. Um, I think the Cavaliers are really high on taking a point guard for some reason um, this year, even though they keep drafting point guards. I think they're looking to do an, uh, draft another one here. And I think they're high on Killian Hayes. So uh, let's say, like, I think Bob Myers calls up the Pistons, or the Pistons call up Bob Myers, and they see if they can work out a deal from five to eight, because there are all these guys on the board that the Warriors might not be interested in that these teams will be. And even if you move down to eight, guys like uh, Sadiq Bey, Devin Vassell, even even Halliburton, they might still be on the board all the way down there. So I think they try to trade. Yeah, back. I think I think that if they were in this specific spot, that the number five pick would have more value to other teams than it would the exactly. Warriors. And so they would they would try to capitalize on that. Let's say they do keep the pick though, and draft number five. Who do they take? I mean, I think everyone is gonna would be assuming that they would take Wiseman. Um, mm-hmm. I still don't think they would. Um, I think that there's several guys who'd be available that there that they like more than Wiseman. And I actually, and this is what we're talking about right now is why I feel like there might be a good chance of Wiseman sliding. Yeah. Uh, I think that he, he could be one of those guys on draft night where he falls into the latter stages of the top 10 and everyone's like, what's going on here? This was a number one pick potentially. But I just don't think that the actual front offices out there are as high on him as the draft analysts are. Yeah, and, and and a lot of draft analysts will say, like, oh, we just don't have that much tape on Wiseman, but you can't deny the fact that he's super athletic and he's seven feet tall and all these things. And, yeah, that's true. But you know what? Like, it's the, the not playing games this year at Memphis is more than just not having tape on him. That's a whole season of development that he no longer has, right? You, he didn't get better last year. You could say, oh, well, he was working out as an individually and doing all that. Who cares if he was working out individually? How does that make you better? Like, you need to play games, right? Like, you're, like, you, you can, if he was, if all he was doing all year long was hanging out beyond the three-point line and just trying to become a better three-point shooter and a better free-throw shooter, great. But there's still those questions about basketball feel, still those questions about how he's going to get better defensively, and those are major question marks. And if you can even like exist in a modern defense where you have to switch ball screens and do all these things anymore. You need to play games to figure that stuff out. And he didn't do that. So for a team like the Warriors and a lot of other teams that are looking for some immediate help, he is not your average seven footer who you typically think of, well, you can't teach height. He can walk in and help right away and guard the rim right away. That's not the case all the time anyway. And it's certainly not going to be the case with Wiseman because he hasn't played in a really long time. Um, and so, yeah, I can see him sliding um, for that reason, too. But if the Warriors here at five, if they stay with this pick, uh, I think the guy that they would have to take with Edwards off the board, with Toppin off the board, uh, I think they, I, I think you go with Halliburton here. I think, I think it'd be between Denny and Halliburton. Um, I think you probably go with Halliburton because I think he's more versatile, and I think that he's probably better defensively right now. And uh, he's a guy who can come in and, and be a six-man right away, whereas Denny probably can be that. But I think I think Halliburton is more of a sure thing. So they they go with Halliburton there. Um, okay, we got one more sim lottery. Just press the button. And let's see here. Just, so just for for your sake, for our listeners' sake, I, I pressed it three times and three more times and got the number five pick 
three more times in a row. And I wanted – and that just shows you how high the odds are for them to draft number five um, because they have almost a 50% chance of going number five. But because I wanted to talk about how they would handle different draft positions, I clicked one more time. And on, in this draft scenario, they actually are drafting number one. And then number two is Chicago. They jump five spots up to number two. New York is drafting number three. Washington is number five or number four. And Cleveland is number five. So I think I know what you're going to say here. But if the Warriors, as the worst team, end up, you know, making good on that and, and drafting number one, who do they take? They take Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Absolutely. I think the Knicks call and try to get them to move back so that they can leave Chicago and possibly take LaMelo Ball here. But uh, I, I think the Warriors just, they, they trust the work that they've done. They've scouted Anthony Edwards already. Um, we've talked about the fit and why it makes sense. I think he can walk in right away. And I always said this, I keep saying this, Connor, and I keep, I think I keep saying it on your podcast. This is not the Tim Duncan draft for Golden State. This is the Kawhi Leonard draft for Golden State. Go get a guy who can come in, play 20 minutes, hit some open jumpers, play hard on defense, and then eventually grow into, you know, a franchise building block sort of role. And I think Anthony Edwards could be that for them. I agree. I think I think it would be Anthony Edwards. I think a lot of people assume that they would take Wiseman, but hey, we just we just had a, a mock draft where um, they had a chance to draft him at number five, and we didn't think they'd take him at number five. So they sure as heck wouldn't take him at number one. And so yeah, I think Anthony Edwards would be the guy. I still think they would shop it, but I just don't see them getting an enticing enough offer to to part ways with that number one pick. I think that's an absolute win for the Warriors. Yes, he's not Zion. Yes, he's not Tim Duncan. But he has the most upside, and he's a guy who also can come in and be helpful from day one. And that's really all they need. They're in a unique position as the worst team in the NBA in that they, they have Steph and Clay coming back, and they have Draymond. So it's not like they need someone who's going to come be the savior next year. Um, and, and I think that that'd be a perfect situation for Anthony Edwards to walk into and be able to learn from guys like Steph and Clay and Draymond. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a championship core, right? Um, and it's it's it is a uh, questionable draft, let's say. Um, and I think a lot of Warriors fans are just upset about that. Like, oh, of course we end up with a top five pick the year that you know after Zion, right? Like, um, just remember this. Like, this is an opportunity to just add high level talent to a already talented roster, right? Like, this is a win for the Warriors, no matter what. Like, the fact that they ended up with a top-five pick versus some middling draft pick, instead of, like, even if Steph were healthy, they would have been a fringe playoff team in the West at best this year. This is a home run for them. They're going to add a talented player regardless. Even if it's not in the best draft ever, like, they're going to add talent that they otherwise couldn't have added because this is still a team, by the way, that's capped out. And when you draft a player in the top five, you don't need free agent space to sign that player. You have that player's rights. You sign him and you just sign him onto your roster at whatever salary he's slotted at. Right, that's a that's an important thing. They're not going to be able to add that level of talent any other way, and they're going to be able to add a talent here. And I think they're going to need to do it to find somebody who can have a high floor, contribute right away. And if they end up at number one, they get a guy with Edwards with a high ceiling and a high floor at the same time. Then that's a home run. August twentieth will be a really interesting day. I will say this though, um, if they get the number one pick, that's that's its own thing. But if they draft, any, if they end up getting anywhere between two and five. They might draft the same guy at five that they would draft at number two. That's how yeah. kind of weird this draft is. So um, 
you know, in that sense, maybe the lottery doesn't matter as as much as it as it has in past years. Um, the Warriors are hoping to turn some some bad luck though, because they they have not been historically very lucky in the lottery. They've been in the lottery 20 times. They've only moved up three times. They've moved down eight times, and they've stayed the same nine times. Um, yeah, I guess this, this is the this is the part where I make your listeners hate me again. Um, I'm not really that worried about the Warriors and getting unlucky, okay? They got Kevin Durant the year that the, the cap spike happened. So, yeah, you don't have the best lottery luck, but you have a lot of luck in a lot of other ways. So, you know, but, if you, you know, don't get the number one pick, you'll deal with it. The lottery is not the best thing because they got – they uh, I believe they had, like, the third worst record in 95 when they ended up getting the number one pick. They got a guy named Joe Smith who was in the NBA a long time but not someone you want to be taking at number one. Whereas the year that they drafted Chris Mullen, they had the worst record and fell all the way to number seven. And, yes, they ended up missing out on Patrick Ewing, but they still got a basketball Hall of Famer and Chris Mullen. So um, regardless of what happens, if they're doing their due diligence and they're, they're, they're being smart in how they scout these guys, they can still find a transcendent or at least helpful player. They can draft Patrick Ewing this year. Yeah. Yeah, they could. <laughs> I'll take him over Wiseman. Um, Wes, thank you so much for joining me on the pod. I know, I know you're about to enter your own little sojourn, so I appreciate you, uh, you, you jumping on before you get some much needed R and R down there in Florida. Always fun talking Warriors basketball with you, Connor. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast. It's always a ton of fun chatting Warriors with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 